Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Money Barrel. For those of you who don't know me, I am Craig, Kayla's trophy husband and self-proclaimed non-rodeo regular person. Kayla's been working really hard on this for a few months, and we're excited to finally start releasing episodes. A few disclaimers first, we are not professionals, and we don't claim to be. We are just two people who love the barrel racing community and want to bring you the raw, unscripted, real-life stories of local legends, million-dollar earners, and everyone in between. First up on The Money Barrel, Taylor Hildreth. She's a trainer, breeder, rider, and a mother. Taylor has more than a quarter million dollars in earnings to her name. She's hell on wheels at the Futurities, claiming multiple championships to include five states and the Fizz Bomb. She'll talk about the highs and lows, her family, and deal out a few tips and tricks along the way. Before we dive in, Kayla and I want to thank every one of you for the immense support that we've already received. If you haven't already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Money Barrel for info on upcoming interviews and other goodies. Leave a comment to tell us what you like, don't like, who you want to hear from, and questions you might have for our guests. Well, I'm done talking, so let's get to it. Three, two, one, cue the music. This is The Money Barrel. first. Okay, hold on. Me too. Ready? Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. What are you drinking? Corona Premier. I have a Truly, but that's all I had. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we can start. Um, thanks for uh, being a part of this and being the first guinea pig. We'll see how it goes. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, so to start off, um, tell us your kind of current status. What are you doing? Training, training horses? How many were you at? What, what's your current status besides getting ready to go to Heber city? Yeah, I'm training right now. I'm riding about 10 a day. Um, I didn't get an intern, a full-time intern this year. So I kind of cut back, which I'm just trying to decide if that was the best life choice or not yet, but, and yes, getting ready for Heber. Um, my schedule is a little crazy because, you know, the kids have preschool Monday through Wednesday. So then Thursday, Friday, Coy and I kind of just split the days and try mm-hmm. to, you know, like today I got up early and rode. And so, and then he'll, he works in the afternoons on Thursdays. So that's the way we do that. Do they go so. preschool full day or is it just half day? Yeah, it's, it's pretty full day. I mean, it's kind of, it's, stupid schedule right now because of the whole COVID thing so they have to cut our hours back but it's pretty close to a full day Monday through Wednesday well that helps how many eight how many horses are you running out of that 10 like do you have a couple for next year or are you riding two-year-olds so yeah I'm riding a few for next year I think I've got four in there right now I try to rotate everything especially this time of year so most of my next year's like I have two that were a little more ahead and they got exhibitioned earlier on. And so they're kind of on a little pasture break right now. And then I've got three in right now for next year that I'm kind of getting going. Um, I've got one or two, I've got two in for the following year. So right now I'm running four and then like a few for next year and then a few for the following year and then one older one. Is that Dozer? 
No, Dozer doesn't count. <laughs> he's not, he's not, I mean, I ride him, but I don't count him as my, he, he's the, <laughs> I just get on him and pony stuff and yeah, he doesn't count. He's the good solid one. Well, yeah, um, he's, yeah, he's just there. He's <laughs> so I guess we should go back a little bit. Um, for those that don't know okay. you, I'm going to try not to interrupt considering I think I know some of this, but, uh, tell us a little bit you. about you growing up and at the ranch. And I mean, did you grow up? with horses a lot or did you do other stuff like what led you to now doing what you're doing so I grew up um I mean my parents were divorced so I kind of grew up part of it in just outside of Denver and then the other half was up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere um outside of Kremlin Colorado so most of my you know I think when I was in eighth grade we moved up permanently to the ranch so before that it was back and forth and I skied a lot as well but but yeah, in general, I grew up on the ranch. So I mean, a lot of my background is kind of ranching type stuff. We ran quite a few cattle. Um, I started doing Gymkhana's, I don't know, when I was like six or seven. And then I did junior rodeos, little britches, high school rodeo. Um, and then through all that, when I was doing all the road, the you know junior rodeos and stuff, I was also ski racing in the winters. So that was a lot of time as well. Um, I mean, that was like full commitment five days a week going to the ski area. And it was, I mean, it was brutal. <laughs> I don't really suggest anyone putting their children through that. Cause it was, you know, we'd get on the mountain at seven o'clock and we'd be done at four. And it was, I mean, if it was negative 30, you were up there doing that. So I can't it was pretty brutal on the mountain for like half a day now. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like fun skiing. I mean, it was training. So did you, so I do feel horses during that time or did you just turn your horses out in the winter when you focused on the skiing? Oh yeah. We totally turned horses out in the winter. Um, I mean, you can't even ride in Kremlin in the winter. I guess it's like, yeah, it's brutal. Like there's it's so yeah, no, we turned the horses out in the winter and then we kind of did the rodeos in the summer. When you- but that being said, I never did get to play any team sports or anything. When did you quit skiing and decide like that wasn't your deal? So instead of committing all your time to skiing, you were going to commit all your time to horses. Yeah, that totally was a big transition. And I think that was when I was maybe sophomore in high school or maybe freshman. I can't remember. But one of those years I decided I was just done skiing and then I was fully committed to the horses um, we hauled the uh, arenas. I mean, I did everything I could to ride through the winter. And then when I was 16, we built a little indoor barn up there and we were able to ride through the winter and that helped a lot. So then after high school, you went to college, CSU, where we met and yep. you college, <laughs> you know, the story I was thinking of, I was thinking of different stories about you and I, when we were doing this and I don't know if I <laughs> I ever told you this, but I think I was a junior in college or junior in high school, senior in high school. I don't know. Anyways, I was looking at CSU and the college standings and there was this girl named Taylor Miniot and she was in the standings. I'm like, Hey, she went to CSU. I want to be her. friend. She seems pretty good. And And then you became my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think. Because we had that place on Sunset Avenue, remember? And you kept your horses there. Yeah, yeah. 12 years later. Uh, we're, yeah, we're 12 years later. That's, how, <laughs> so I think, that's amazing, isn't it? I think it's going to last. 
I think so. I think we've made it past that point. But yeah, so <laughs> after high school, I went to college at CSU. I college rodeoed um, pretty avidly the first three years and just so-so the last year. And then I think that's when I kind of just, I was going to try to rodeo, pro rodeo a little bit. I dabbled in some of the pro rodeos in the circuit. Um, I never loved it. And then I had Dozer, who was mentioned earlier, yeah. and I decided I was going to try to fraturity him. And I think I went to like two fraternities or three. I don't know. Not very many. So he was but a I, I really fraternity horse. He was my first one. Yeah, isn't that funny? That is funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah, good old Dozer. So yeah, um, I went to, yeah, maybe two fraternities that year. And I just, I really liked the atmosphere. Um, you know, there was a couple trainers that were so nice to me and just really wanted to help out. And I just, I loved that. And I think that even till today, like, I think that's one thing I love about fraternity trainers is everyone seems to be willing to help everybody else out. And like, you know, the new, the newbies, it's not like you go to a fraternity and feel like you're just totally out of it. You know, everyone's trying to inviting and tries to make you feel welcome. And I do love that. Well, and, it, and that was probably the, it's nice that everybody starts on a clean slate. Like even if yeah, you were great year last year, you might suck this year. Oh and, yeah. I mean, it's like the most humbling thing in the world for sure. But yeah, that's kind of what got me hooked. So I had Dozer and then I kind of started building and, you know, every couple of years had a couple colds or, you know, whatever I did and I dabbled in it. And then really when I had Fiona Shakem's heyday that year, I kind of, and that was right after I had Jet and I, that's the year I really just took it super seriously. And I realized this is what I want to do. So Dozer and, um, had to have been what, 2012, 2013? No, he was, oh, so he's born in 2000. So that would have been 2011. Okay. So 2011. And then when did you run Fiona? Was that? Um, Fiona was 2006. So teen, 2016. <laughs> so, I mean, a couple years you were in it. And that's also what I was going to ask is like, when did you decide to move it like full time? Like you were going to train, um, open it up to training for other people and like, fraternity was going to be your career. Yeah. I mean, I really think I, I knew I wanted to before that year, but I mean, I hadn't fully committed. Like I was still working at the ranch. I was still working for my dad. I was, I had, I was cooking for all the hunters, you know, that was kind of mm -hmm. my gig for a bit too when we were guiding and outfitting hunters. So, um, I mean, I was, I was doing the fraternities, but I wasn't fully committed. I would say, after that year, 2016, I, I knew that I really loved it and I wanted to get better at it and I wanted to keep going. And, you know, it's, it's a constant learning thing. I mean, like you said, you have some years that are great and some years that are awful. And I, I just try to take it as you learn from every horse you ride, you know, every single one of them I've rode, whether they were good or awful, I've learned something from. Tell us about Fiona. Um, Cause I think her story is really interesting considering we were all there the morning she was born. I know it is pretty cool. So Fiona was bred and raised by my great friend or our great friend, Caitlin D. Um, she had bought that daughter of Royal Shakem. Um, she kind of had a few issues and kind of only got to run her here and there. And so she bred her to De Niro. And I think that was one of the years that Sherry did really well. So she, that's why she picked De Niro. And, um, 
yeah, we were all in college and it was just one morning in February. We went out and I think she was a little early. So none of us really expected her to fall that night. And we went out and little Fiona was out there. So it was really cool that we all got to see that in college in Fort Collins at CSU. <laughs> and then Caitlin, I don't think she really ever had a plan with her. And I, I think that's really cool because she kind of let it just fall into the whole fate thing, you know, because she mm -hmm. tried to sell her at a couple sale or one sale. And then we tried to sell her and, you know, think weird things happened where the sales would fall through. And so she's like, well, do we just, do we just want to try to fraternity her? And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And that mare, I love that horse because she, she taught me so much. I mean, she taught me a totally different level of patience that I didn't even know. Um, to be honest, there, you know, and like, it's not like she was easy. No, I mean, she wasn't easy, but she was really cool. Like, I mean, I, you know, and I think something that needs to be said about her, which, and I think it, it kind of all fell into place in the same time, but I was very pregnant when I trained her. Like I rode her until I was 32 weeks pregnant and I took her to brandings when I was like 26 and seven weeks pregnant and rode her in the mountains. And like, I never had a doubt that something was going to happen because she was so sure footed and she knew where her feet were and she, and she was four years old and she took care of me. And then, yeah, then the fraternities came and, you know, she kind of patterned herself, but then when the speed came, things kind of fell apart um, and she was tough. And I kind of gave her that ultimatum. I was like, listen, Fiona, you're either going to make it or you're going to go be Koi's heel horse because <laughs> like <laughs> you're pissing me off. And so we kind of went through the rounds for, you know, a month or so and all of a sudden it clicked. And I, I think I learned how to ride better. Um, I, I mean, like I said, she taught me a totally next level aspect of patience and training and timing and using my body. Um, so that was really cool. I mean, and then she went on to win I was gonna like say 40 thousand that year in the fraternities. And she won, what was it? She won the Southwest Desert Classic and the Fizz Bomb that year, didn't she? Yes, she won those two fraternities. I think she placed at a couple others. Um can't even remember but yeah those are the two wins she had and that was really cool because you know being that kind of newbie person that you know nobody really knew who I was and then she came in and when she worked like when she did win those fraternities I mean it was she was cool just fast and she just put it all out there every time and I, I did lo I love that about her she was talented and um she, I mean she still is talented yeah, it's she's still talented. She's still running. It's, I mean, she's a cool horse. And and I will say something, too, that this is kind of one of those weird things. So, like I said, I was pregnant when I was training her. And not to say that before I had Jet, I wasn't as, you know, I wasn't handy. But I definitely didn't have that mindset. And I swear, when I had Jet and I took those three months off, like, I programmed in my mind. And I visually, like, thought of how I wanted to be riding and and when I went back to riding after I had him, I swear it was just like a complete change. Like I just rode different. I had a different mindset. Like I think before I was almost obsessive over things. And then after I had jet, I mean, you know, after you have a baby, like there's a big picture to the world. And I think that honestly made me ride better and just have a different outlook on things. I my think mental it, game for sure changed. Yeah, I think it really kind of keeps you humble because no matter if you it do does. good or do bad, you still have to go and take care of this little human that you're trying to keep alive. So I feel like it takes a little of pressure off. And you told me that, like when you're like, yeah. no, you need to have kids. 
don't just <laughs> not have it. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I remember you always saying is, you know, you come back and it's, it's just different because you're not, you're focused on doing well, but um, I mean, the highs aren't as high, the lows aren't as low. And I feel like it kind of just helps you like keep going. Totally. And I mean, I swear to this day, I still claim like having Jet made me a better person. It made me a better horsewoman. And I think it was like one of those just, I mean, whatever your beliefs are and whatever, but it was like a sign from God, like you need to get your stuff together. And this is, it kind of like lined me out. And it, like I said, it totally changed my life in so many ways. And like, and it did, I mean, it helped, I mean, every time or ever since then, you know, I think I just had a better understanding for young horses as well. So how do you balance that now? I mean, we kind of talked about it before, you know, the kids are in preschool, you and Koi swap, but I mean, I know with the fraternities, you have to travel, you have to go on the weekends. And now that you have Blaze 2, it's a little bit harder with two kids. So what do you do to, I mean, balance as well as you can as far as having two littles and a bunch of colts I definitely think that that is a huge struggle the balance between being a trainer and being a mom um I I don't even think I can give you a definitive answer on how I do it because I think some days I'm just totally running on whatever's there left of me you know I mean I just get it done I I definitely I think I'm a very laid back person. I don't really tend to get super worked up so I can kind of just roll with the punches. You know, if things go, I, it's funny cause we talk about this, like I'm a big plan maker. Like I love to make a plan, but then they always change. Like it's like every time I make a plan, Coitus looks at me like, Oh gosh, you know, that might be your plan today, but tomorrow it could change again. And I, that's, I think that's how I roll. You know, I, I make a plan and I want to know what I'm doing, but then I'm also very, flexible. And I think that's a, that's important with having kids and Colts, but I mean, so basically, like I said, the kids go to preschool three days a week. Um, the other two days of the weekdays, coin I split. So typically I ride early Thursday mornings until about noon or one, and then he'll shoe in the afternoons. And then on Friday we swap it. So I'll usually ride Friday evenings. And then on the weekends, if we're around, we just kind of piddle at it. I mean, it's kind of nice now that they're a little older. I can go ride a few with them just playing down at the barn and they play together and they have like so much crap down there. It's not even funny just to do. And, um, but as far as like the traveling goes, that's hard. It's, it, you know, sometimes they go with me. Um, I think most of the time they stay home and either stay with Koi or stay with Koi's parents. Uh, and that's hard. It's it's getting really hard now because they want to go. Like Jet, the last time I went somewhere, Jet was so sad that he didn't get to go with me and cried when I dropped him off at preschool. So I mean, it definitely tugs on your heartstrings. But they also know that that's our job, and they get to do a lot of really cool things because of it. So. Well, I know it was also really hard for you the first weekend you left Blaze at home. Like I don't even oh, yeah. think you enjoyed going to a barrel race by yourself. <laughs> you wanted to yeah. with you. Yeah, it is hard. And it is the mom guilt thing is so real because I always, you know, and I try to, like I said, I try to stay out of my head and um, I don't get too wrapped up in what other people are doing. Cause I, I'm a big believer that comparing yourself as a mother, as a trainer, as a jockey, 
I think comparing is just the devil's way of bringing you down. I, I think when you go on Facebook or Instagram and you see all these moms making all these cute crafts with their kids and I'm like, here kids, here's some 60 mil syringes. Why don't you go squirt each other with some water? Like you kind of feel bad that you're not as involved with their lives as, you know. So the whole mom guilt thing is very tough. But it really um, makes me feel so better I just try- that you and I are in the same boat because I am not crafty. I mean, at least you cook. You cook for your kids. Like Cash is going to got the one thing coming. <laughs> yeah, at least you have that. And you match socks. So right then I and there. Socks and I'm, that's going to be a forever war between us with you and your socks. <laughs> I, think, I think you're doing a, a pretty darn good job. but yeah you know I'm saying though it's like the comparing thing I mean I try to avoid social media I think that you um like I said you see what everyone else is doing as a parent as a trainer and I think you really got to live for yourself and know what you and your cults and your kids need individually I think I and I think that was a huge hurdle for me to cross um just getting to where I was like, you know what? I don't care what they're doing with their kids today because my kids are happy and they're healthy. And same thing with my cults. You know, it's like, I feel I'm happy with where they're at. And, you know, I might not get to go exhibition four days a week, but when I do go, you know, they get the exposure. So that's, I think just that avoiding comparing has been a huge thing for me to balance the two of them. So you saying that I kind of want to walk us through your program because, um, As we know, you've been a very big preacher of breaks and you've yelled at me multiple times about giving mine (laughs) breaks and making sure like my break is not a week long, but it's a month long or two months long. And I think that's just a very beneficial thing that really a lot of people um, don't do or, you know, same thing. You see them on social media and somebody running their cults through in July and, you know, mine has three days on the barrels. So everybody's a little bit different, but walk us through your program, you know, from when you get them broke um, to when you actually take over and just kind of go through what you do to try to get ready for the fraternities. Um, Well, typically I I run most of my cults as five-year-olds. I'll have a four-year-olds here and there. So I'll kind of base this off of if they're running as a five-year-old, but uh, we get ours broke as two-year-olds. And up until that time, most of their life has been spent out in the pasture. And we don't feed ours a ton of high fat feeds and high protein feeds. Like they grow pretty natural. So, you know, they might get broke a little later, summer, you know, late spring of their two-year-old year. And basically what I want is a two, like when they get broke, I want to be able to put them where I need them. You know, I don't want them doing anything fancy, but I want them to be able to lope circles, keep their hind end engaged, have some basic shoulder rib cage hind end control, but nothing crazy. You know, I don't ask too much of them. And then once, like I said, once I feel like I can put them where I need lope, small circles, big circles, stop back up, I kick them out. And I mean, sometimes they go to a huge pasture up in Gunnison that Koi's dad has, and sometimes they'll stay here, but, um, and then they'll kind of stay out for six months. And then I'll kind of, like I said before, I kind of stagger my colts, especially the ones I own um, or that we own. Like I'll get on one early in the year and then the next step. So I definitely set these like goals for them. So the next step I want is I get on them and I kind of put those specific buttons that I want on them um, to where I can get them ready to start the pattern. 
And then after, then I'll pattern them. And what I basically am looking for there is I want them to be able to cross their front feet over freely, engage their hind ends, move their rib cage off me and all this with little effort from my hands, you know, just like to where it's kind of natural for them. And then I'll start them on the barrels. Um, you're like loping through without me having to guide them the entire time. That's kind of the next goal I set. So like if they can lope through the pattern and I'm not having to pull them around or telling them when to rate, telling them when to finish. And then after they kind of have accomplished that, I'll give them another break and whether, and it depends on the horse and depends on the situation, but sometimes that means just completely turning them out. Sometimes that means going and being cowboyed on. Um, we have a good friend, Bradley Dennison up in Gunnison, and he's been taking some Colts. He took two chains when I was pregnant and rode him when I was pregnant. So he was ready to go after I had blaze, but he, so he goes and cowboys on him and he's a good hand and I don't really have to worry about anything with him as far as like he keeps them very broke and stuff. So then, okay. So then after that they come back and then I kind of start adding some more speed Um, kind of get to where I'm cruising through again, like they can handle the speed, handle going fast and also handle coming back to me. And then I'll exhibition them. And depending on the horse, sometimes I'll give them another month off after that if I'm early enough. Otherwise, I just kind of keep at it. But so when I, you, know, you know, my breaks are like, when's your goal to start? Like, if you're going to run them as a five year old, and so when you start exhibitioning, I mean, do you want, are you trying to get all this done by July of the four year old year or September or March? Like, when do you, when's your, I mean, I know it's, differs between your every horse yeah, I, was like, I don't really I definitely don't set a date or like a prerequisite on when they need to be going by because yeah. I think they're all different I mean you have some of them that come on so quickly and I think for me I mean everyone's different I like I know a lot of people like to pattern them more than I do but if they come on really quick I kind of don't like to just drill them over and over on the pattern so I might work them a little bit and then go on so those really smart ones I mean Gosh, I don't know. I can't really give you a timeline of when they need to be exhibitioning by. I would say like everything I'm running next year is exhibitioning now. Okay. So I mean, they're that, all, that makes yeah. sense. So like I had the couple that were earlier in the year and I mean, they were ready to exhibition in March, even though we weren't able to go anywhere, but, um, and then they're turned out right now. So yeah, like I, I think it just, I would say by August, they need to be like able to go make an exhibition cruise through. In, and I also don't exhibition until they are like cruising through. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Like when, and then when you go to exhibition, I mean, are you going and going through twice again? I know it differs, but you know, ideally, or, you know, do you go through and do you have a game plan? Um, you know, do you haul them a lot before you exhibition or like when there you go to exhibition, they're going to do their job. Yeah, I don't haul them a ton beforehand. I, I think that they're all, I mean, most of them have been ridden out in the country and done things like other than just sitting in the arena. I think they kind of get the whole, like, you know, they can handle some chaos and stuff. Um, But I, so no, I don't just haul mine to haul mine. I think when I start exhibitioning, like they're exhibitioning and they're cruising through. I really, I mean, we go to, I will say like, I go to indoor arenas here here locally to work them just another so I mean I guess they do go there okay so I, I have a I'm really bad at answering these questions no, I mean, that, that, <laughs> yeah, so go. 
it just depends. Like, I guess I don't really have like a game plan. I kind of just listen to what each one needs, but I definitely don't when I'm taking them to exhibition, like they are, they need to go there and know like this is real. And I want them to go in the arena and take it seriously and find their barrels and, you know, know what they're there for. And I know it may, well, 2020 has made everything different, but when you're ready to enter, are there a couple like races that you just have to go to? Um, or do you just try to go to one or two a month? You know, are there places you don't want to miss or does it just depend on what type of horses you have in the trailer? Um, I try, you know, I try to stick to two a month. Obviously there's a couple months like August, for example, that, you know, you're not, I can't pick two, but typically I try to not go to more than two for charities a month. I might go to some smaller jackpots, but I really think the miles in the trailer are harder on those Colts than anything else. And I mean, I'm not close to anything, so I have to go to, I have, you know, it's a lot of miles in the trailer. So Typically to a month. I mean, there's definitely a few that I won't miss. I love the Arizona Futurities. Um, I try to go to those every year um, as far as the early on ones. I'm, I am I like the BFA. I'm not like a diehard, so I, I wouldn't say I had to go there. It just depends on what I had in the trailer. Um, and then later, I mean, do you want me to go all year, tell you which yeah. ones I like or yeah. just early on? Just like, um, I mean, I feel like the schedule has changed so much. I don't even know. I mean, I love Washington. I would love to go up there every year if I can. And that whole trip is just fun. If this um, stuff doesn't go away and we can't go next year, I'm going to be so sad. If we can't go to Washington next year, I'm just sad. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think the whole schedule, I think now that the Ruby buckles are in the Ruby buckle and the pink buckles are going, I mean, I'm going to try to make sure I get to go to those every year. Obviously, the Colorado Classic is one of my faves. Here, so I won't miss that ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm committed there, and I love it anyways. And I think your payout is by far the best. And then, I sad to say, I'm missing five state this year. Typically, I don't miss that one. I'm really sad. But I don't miss five state, and I've never even had a five state horse. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad to me that I don't get to go this year. Yes, next year I'm going for sure. But yeah, that's another one I don't miss. Um, I really love the Salina ones in the fall. I think this Royal Crown thing in Rock Springs is going to be good. I'm actually super excited for that one. Um, that I think that's going to be a really cool fraternity. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I think those are my like have to go to's. That's awesome. So as far as I know, I'm kind of hopping all over the place, um, but we talked about Fiona and kind of what you do with your program, but um, we missed talking about two chains and I want to talk about two chains because I, I feel like he's one of the best horses you've had. Um, and I want to hear his story, but he also was your main fraternity horse after having blaze. So I kind of feel like it happened again where you had a kid and then all of a sudden you were unstoppable. Like you won everywhere you went. Yeah. Two chains that he is the best horse I've ever, I mean, he's so cool. I, I love that horse and he really is by far the most successful horse I've trained. 
Um, and it is funny. I know you always said that, that when I had, I had Jet and then I had a good fraternity year and then I had Blaze and then I had a good fraternity year. But 2 chains, he, so we raised 2 chains. Um, I bought his mom from Christy Thorsonson and she was in full to Sadie's Frosty Drift. And, um, and then I bred her back to I'm a firefighter. And so we raised him. Uh, I didn't have him. So a friend of ours kind of took him after he was born because they're, Anyways, long story. So I really didn't get him back until he was two. Emilio Vegas started him when he was two. And then I just kind of went, no, actually, you know what? He might have been three. He might have been three when he got started. I can't even remember. Or maybe I he took him, him back. When he was winter, in between there. You had him for a winner. That's right. You had him for a winner. So I didn't really get a bond with two chains early on in his life. Like I typically love to with my cult. So, cause yeah, he was kind of all over the place. Cause he was up in um, Longmont. Remember? Yes. Yep. Before you had him. Yeah. And so then, so anyways, then I had, so then I didn't really get to know him until like, yeah, he was like three and I started riding him and I mean, he's a quirky little sucker and kind of watchy and didn't really want to be the friendliest cult. But I'm telling you what, the first time I put him around the barrels, like he just had it. And I, I just, I told myself, I'm like, I can deal with all this quirkiness and watchy and, you know, he was real quick. I mean, he'd almost just jump out from underneath the view. And, um, but I'm the second he went on the barrels, like he was, he just had it, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I had to train him. Like he just kind of went where I asked him and, um, and he just kind of had the, like the personality, like, I mean, it's hard unless you've been around a horse like that to understand like that factor that makes them so good but when you're around one that has it like you know it and two teams oh, yeah. just he totally had that like and it, it just got bigger and bigger that that attitude and that personality just got bigger and bigger every time he won I swear <laughs> like he got to be so cocky <laughs> he didn't know he knew when he showed up that he was good so walk us through that fraternity year so I, you know, so back to the exhibition thing, he never even got exhibition. So I had Blaze in June and Bradley had him until probably July. And then I got him going again and kind of was adding some speed. And so he never even got exhibitioned until like Salina in August. So middle of August was the first time he ever got hauled to a barrel race. And it was pretty funny because and to this day, he still doesn't like the pop-up barrels. But that was the first time he had seen pop-up barrels is when I exhibitioned him there. And I think Timmy Ward Merrill, Timmy Merrill now was there. And he was like jumping at the barrels and like spooking at them and jumping sideways. I mean, I barely like he'd like run to the barrel, jumping sideways, and then he'd turn it really quick, like perfect. And then the whole way to the second barrel, he'd be jumping and looking. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this sucker's never going to make it for the maturity. Like, I can't the pattern and but it was funny because every time he actually got to a spot he like turned it really nice and wanted to be correct so I went home that week and I set up this like tarps and barrels and all this crap in the barn and I spent the whole week like making him lope over tarps and lope by tarps and getting him to be not so scared of things and then pretty much after that when I went to X and then we moved actually after that we moved in September yeah, we moved in September down to Olathe where we are now. So it was just kind of a lot going on. Like we had Blaze in June and then we moved down here. And so I didn't think I really got to exhibition again till like October. 
and I put him on the clock and he was like a half second off, like just like that. So then I was like, okay, this sucker's good. And just continued just to clock awesome in exhibitions. Um, and then in Arizona at the first fraturities, he, you know, he wasn't blistering fast or anything, but he was so consistent. I think he ran fours, fives, and sixes, all four runs at the Arizona fraturities. And then at that point I was like, okay, I need to ride this horse harder. You know, he doesn't need my help. I just need to. And then after that, he just kind of, I mean, he was good, like great at every fraturity after that. Yeah. And he never screwed I up. I remember, ever. I mean, what? I remember you hit a couple barrels in Washington that like cost you a lot of money. And you were oh, yeah, like, this horse has it. I just need to give him a fraction more room. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he placed everywhere all summer. What? You won like 10,000 at the Colorado Classic. And then you went on to five states to dominate that. Tell us about that weekend. Because I feel like that's one of those weekends in someone's career that is just like one of the good weekends. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah, back to the hitting barrels things. He would just finish his barrels and it, it stinks. And it's kind of the same thing I'm dealing with with dash right now, but he would just almost overturn the backside of his barrels coming out of them, which that's just depressing because I feel like you get them all the way in there and then they come back on top of them and you're, it's just a bummer. But anyway, so I kind of got that lined out. I, I started riding him a little more forward through my turns. Um, I'm a kind of have a tendency to sit and look pretty hard. And so I was just thinking about riding him forward through my turns but going up to five state, I mean, like I said, that's like one of my favorite fraturities and always has been a dream of mine to win that fraternity. And I remember when we get there, Cami Ireland told me, oh, well, we all have a bet up here in the office on who's going to win this thing. And I picked you. And I was like, oh, thanks, Cami. So the first round, yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like, well, I'm going to try for you. So then, um, we, the first round, I can't even remember. I think he was a one in the first round, 17-1. Or maybe, yeah, right? 17-1 in the first round, and he won the won that round. And then after that, and he, he made, I think I got him just a little bit by, or no, I sat down too soon into second. And that was the one thing with that horse. Like, if I sat down too soon, he stayed so honest, and I could pick him back up. Like, he didn't want to hit barrels coming into him. I don't think he ever hit one barrel coming into it, ever. He would like step out of the way, but I knew I lost time. So I was like, I know I can be a 16 on him in here, which I mean, a 16 up at Rapids, pretty smoking. Yeah. So I, I was, so anyway, yeah. So going into the second round, I just like had it in my mind. I was like, and oh, and that's okay. So here's another thing I want to address because I have always had this thing with being like first out, being the gunner. And so it's funny that I'm the gunner on this podcast as well. So it was like a mental block. <laughs> so I ended up being last in the fraternity. So then the second round, guess what? I was first out. And I was like, not only do I need to like get over this mental block of being first out, but I also need to run this 16 that I have set in my mind. And I just, I don't know. I just like had so much confidence and he went in there, like he had this confidence and he just has his little swagger he has when he gets all excited. And I just like almost knew going in there that it was going to happen. And it was, he did, and he did, he was a 16, nine something and won that round. And then the, the short go, he had a pretty good lead over the um, average going in the short go. And I made a super conservative run 
going into it. And I think we were like a four or something. I mean, I kept them off every barrel. I'm like, I'm not going to hit a barrel. And so anyways, I pretty much safetyed up that run and got through it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And then another cool thing about the five state, because this is just like the, you know, the icing on top is I had morning sunshine that year who was owned by Butch Webb and she was a daughter of Frenchman's guy, super cool mare. And um, she ended up winning second in the average at the five state. So that was really cool. Yeah. And that, and I mean, that goes to show you kind of how awesome two chains was to safety up and run a four. Um, but isn't the short, yeah. <laughs> short round of the five states on the same day as the second round. So you have to make two runs in one day. Yeah, it, it is. So yeah, he, and it wasn't like a huge gap either. Um, so yes, he ran, we put him up you know, iced his legs, liniment. And then I had my friend Cami Bauer. Now she's Cami Busmas. She helped me during the short round because I think Sunshine came into the short round sitting third and Two Chains was first. So I had one person between the two of them. So Cami warmed up Two Chains actually. And then I warmed up Sunshine and she just had him ready for me. And um, to where I just jumped off Sunshine and got on Two Chains. So that was... Cool. And then, yeah, Sunshine ended up second in the average and two chains won the average. So that would, that is like one of those, that's definitely my biggest win. And it, it's always such a fun weekend up there. I mean, Lana does such a great job. She makes that event so fun that, you know, she has fun events and all these cool door prizes. It is everyone's I mean, just so nice up there. Winning that is like a huge accomplishment because that's not, that's not yeah, and then winning it and then being second too. I mean, it was, it definitely is like, you know, I kind of think back and I'm like, Oh, that wasn't that just like the best weekend ever. Right. If, if only every weekend went that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so much fun. That's awesome. And I think that was the same year that monsoon came in and like destroyed our campsites. <laughs> Sam Flannery's awning got all ripped off and my awning got ripped off. I mean, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> awesome. So would you say that's like your biggest accomplishment as far as braille racing goes? Or like, what do you think is your best accomplishment? Maybe not necessarily a win, but like, what is something that you are most proud of? That's definitely up there. I, th I mean, that's, that was a huge accomplishment. And, um, but I will say winning the fizz bomb on Fiona was probably the biggest accomplishment because it really brought me to that place where I could actually like accept the fact that yes, I can do this. Like I can be successful in the futurities. And so I would say between the, I don't know, it's kind of hard to pick, but I think that win at Fizzbomb on Fiona and that was tough. Like that wasn't as like two chains won the Fizzbomb. I mean the five state, you know, he did that, but like I had to be super correct on Fiona to get that second or to get that win. Like it was tight. I mean, Sue Smith was running centerfold and Ashley had famed fresh famed French kiss. And they, we, they were all so tight. Like, so that was a huge accomplishment because it really took everything for me to be correct. And that, so I would say that was probably the biggest accomplishment. Like, whereas in with the five state with two chains, like I was able to safety. Was up. there three runs at the fizz bomb that year too? Yes. Mm -hmm. So coming into the fizz bomb, I think, the short round, I had to be, I mean, I had to beat Ashley and Sue, which, I mean, I love them both. So I would never like think anything against that, but like, and they were on great horses, like the centerfold and fame French kiss are still winning. 
Like those are great horses. And so I had to, I mean, like I said, it that was pretty tough. And like for me and to overcome, overcome the mental aspect of that, like knowing that I had to go in there and be that fast and then to like, to be able to do that. I think that was a huge, did you struggle with the mental aspect for a while? Or like, I guess, how do you handle that as far as, um, I know you're pretty even keel and like nothing really bothers you and you're super like bubbly and friendly anyways, but um, how do you handle like just the ups and downs of the fraternity world and like able to, okay, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, lose this myself. Like, how do you, how do you focus, I guess, to be able to make those type of runs? Um, well, definitely the mental game, I think is the, the hardest part of this, of the fraternities for sure. Like, no doubt. I think that the mental game's the biggest struggle. And I think most trainers can attest to that. Um, but before Fiona, I definitely struggled with it more. So I think to to this day, what I've kind of figured out, and like I said, I still don't have it figured out. I still struggle and I still get in my head. And I mean, it's it, like I said, it's hard to get your mind right. But I, I think what the like the biggest thing that has gotten me better and over things is like I said before the comparing like I really try to go in the arena for thinking about what my horse needs that I'm on you know not what time I need to be what not what this I need to be like what that horse needs and I really try not to overthink it um like I almost warm up with intention like so every time I'm warming up if I think, okay, this horse needs to free up his front end a little bit or engage his hind end a little, like I warm up in that aspect. And then when I go in the gate, I try to be completely mindless because really all the training and all the preparation is there to make it easy to run. You know, you should, it should be second nature to go in the gate and ride like you have trained your horse or, you know, ride like you have trained yourself for and your horse to go where you've trained him to. So that's kind of my goal, I guess, as far as the mental aspect goes. Um, I don't, I really, I think when I overthink things, I screw up. <laughs> and when I go in there with a plan, like if I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to ride this, ride this. Well, then I always end up screwing up because then I don't leave room for any other errors. Like if you go in there mindlessly, you can kind of adjust mid run to what might happen, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You like your horse might slip and step off this way. Yeah. You let your muscle memory what? take over and just do yeah exactly you gotta be you gotta be ready for things yeah exactly so and we didn't really talk about this beforehand um you know we talked about your two good horses but it's not all rainbows and butterflies um I know 2019 sucked um for you personally with the fraternities um as far as Francis goes yeah, that was depressing. Oh, so, I mean, and, and we don't have to go into it big time, but let's talk about Francis a little bit because I feel, and I mean, I know we talked about it a lot. I mean, you struggled wanting to keep going for a little bit. I mean, it, you were kind of over it. You didn't want to go to any more barrel races. So like, how did you, I know it's your job, but I mean, you could go get a job somewhere else. So how did you like decide like, no, I'm going to keep going. Like, how did you get through that? Um, yeah. So, okay. So Francis, 
who, if anyone who doesn't know who Frances was, <laughs> most people wouldn't because she didn't. So that was my pride and joy. Like, so Alice, America that we have now, but I ran her for a long time. And so Frances was her first baby and she was by Nick Dell. And it was this little masterpiece in my mind I had put together and I mean, she truly, she really was like a little she masterpiece. Really like she was perfect. I mean, that, that's a good yeah, like she really was. She was the best little horse. And I mean, like everything you want as a trainer. Like honestly, like she came on so good. Um, just had that confidence, that air to her. Like she was, she was just great. I don't, I don't know. I could go into her for hours. But anyway, so in Arizona, she placed in the slot race at the first maturity. And I think place, I don't, I don't know. She won like 8,500 in the first maturity down there. And then I noticed that her knee had swelled up after that run. So I took her up to the vet and we x-rayed it and we found a chip in her knee. And it wasn't even, you know, it was fresh outside the joint. And I made the decision to run her the second weekend, which I don't think really hurt her by any means. But I rode like shit because I think I knew that chip was just in the back of my mind. And I just rode her awful. And she was one you had to really ride like all the way to your point and I just didn't so anyways regardless I hit barrels and so she had scheduled that surgery for the Monday after the fraternities and we took her up there and like I said it should have been a basic easy chip removal I mean it was clean and they went in there surgery went really well she for some reason her heart stopped on the table so that's the story there with Francis and I was depressed like I don't know. I don't think I've ever been that sad in my life. <laughs> it was awful. I was at Hillary's house and I, we were filling out entries for Arizona and I was like filling out entries and I got the phone call and I just bawled and we drank like two bottles of wine before noon that day. I mean, it was like depressing. Yeah, so yeah, it was very hard for me to get going again. What I was said, that? I cried at work on conference calls because you texted me and I was like, yeah, it what? Was, yeah, it was awful. Like, I mean, I literally don't think I've ever been that sad in my life. And I cried for so long and it hit me like, oh, I don't even know. It was hard. And yeah, I think I called you numerous times. I'm like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, this is bullshit. I love that horse. Like, how is this even fair? Um, and so it was a struggle to get back motivated. And I knew I had some good horses. And I mean, I did the whole year. It was just like a rock slide. I mean, it was like that and one thing after another and then Prissy got her and um but then CC had all the back issues I mean it was just like one thing after another so that year sucked and I think I you know I probably lost my like cool and calm and happy-go-lucky attitude a few times like more times than I'd like to admit but um I just I don't know I just was like you know I had that thought I was like I just should go get a job and town and quit sell all these suckers and do something else but then I, you know I love it and I always go back to every time I think this is hard and I don't want to do it anymore and I always just think like how lucky am I though to be able to do something that I love and actually be able to call it my job you know and even if I'm not the best and I'm not you know I don't ha I haven't won as much as other people but the fact that I'm able to sustain a family doing something that I love like that's pretty cool so I always try to keep that in the back of my mind and um, I don't know. I think that kind of drives me through the downs, but there's always downs. And like that, I think that's something that everyone needs to realize, like you're not alone when you're having 
a bad year, a bad month or whatever, you know, it's just part of it. Yeah. Everybody has to go through it. And I mean, there would be no highs if there were no lows. So, you know, you, you just have to keep. Yeah. And the highs are just that much better, you know, when you have those good weekends. And I mean, it's, it's an undescribable feeling, you know, when you just, I feel like you're, you know, you're just on top of the world. I feel like one good weekend will make you go through 10 bad ones just to like yes. get through to that. No doubt. <laughs> like it, it, it just keeps you and going. Then, and then like also the anticipation, like, I know I've got to have a good one coming, <laughs> you know, like maybe the next one will be that great weekend, but you know, you know, there's always got to be another great weekend coming. And if you work at it, there will be. Absolutely. Well, we're almost, um, I know you have kids and are busy, so I won't keep up too much of your time, but we had a couple questions come in off the Facebook okay. page. One of them is what is two must haves you have to have in your trailer? Oh, anything she wants the complete honest um, like <laughs> the two I think I know the answers but what are two things that you absolutely must have in your trailer okay so I'm gonna keep this pretty professional and then I'll add a third like <laughs> you know kind of honest. <laughs> I mean that's my own rules we can do whatever we want okay <laughs> well you know let's be honest like you know, you have to have some sort of alcohol in there when you go for a week. Absolutely. Vodka or Trulies <laughs> or beers. I mean, I think you have to. And I think that goes as a mother and a trainer. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know how you can't drink eating either of those. So that is a huge one. Um, but in, you know, horse related, I would say my vet bag. Like, I, I love that thing. You know, it's my go-to. Even if I go to like a small jackpot in town in my other trailer and I don't have it, I have like serious anxiety. Like, what if I go there and I don't have my vet bag? Something might happen. So that would be my number one horse-related thing behind alcohol because that doesn't really count. I mean, um, or I mean, I guess those could be my two things. Do you want to just those be my two things, my vet bag and then some vodka? Sure, <laughs> it can be. So what what's in your vet bag? Like, what, what do you have to have in your vet bag? Okay. I mean, like, all your drugs, your banamine, your necessities, you know, sedatives if you need them. Um, Dex. I love Dex. Bandaging. Zestera. I can't leave without Zestera. Mm-hmm. I think that is super important. Yeah, it's a must. Um, I love my MVP breathe pastes and my electrolytes. Like, I the, I can't go anywhere without my MVP electrolytes. They're the best. So those are some of the big things in my vet bag. Oh. <laughs> and then and then anyone else knowing me, and this is probably the third thing, and it is so important to me, is like, I can't go anywhere without my sunglasses. That is what I thought you were going to say. Everything else. <laughs> Yeah. So those sunglasses, like I can't go anywhere without them. And so I think if I have the sunglasses in the vet bag, like I can wing everything else. But yeah, the sunglasses, I can't, I mean, I can't go outside. Without yeah. Them. I can't see, like, I've had people ask me like, how can you wing with sunglasses? I'm like, well, I can't see without them. So I don't really Yeah, I, mean, I drive in the rain, the snow, the sun. I mean, I can't take my sunglasses off. All right. And then the last question we have is what is your most favorite run you've ever made? We might have already gone over them, but if you had to like Ooh. pick one run, what's your most favorite run ever? 
you know, this might be a shocker to you, but probably one of my most favorite runs I've ever made was on Prissy at the Dash and Dance because when that mare puts it all together, like I'm telling you, like I've never felt anything like it. And it's the she's so cool. And I don't know. I mean, I know she's had a lot of issues and like had some injuries, but when at Dash and Dance when she won that for charity last year, um, I think it was the second round. Cause she's so I mean, it was just awesome. I think she won the second round. She's Cause... just so fast. Oh, she's so fast. And like the way she goes around a barrel, like I don't know, like her head, I feel like her head is just like, she's like kissing her toes, you know, like the whole way around the barrel. And she's just so efficient and forward moving. Um, I mean, as many great runs as I've had on two chains and like the ones I great ones I had on Fiona, I don't know that run on Prissy was pretty fun. And it wasn't even like a huge victory. I mean, that's a great fraturity and I love it. And it was awesome that she won it, but it was a really fun run, I will say. Uh, Prissy's name in Bloodlines real quick, just so everybody knows who you're talking about. Um, Prissy is Jail Prissy's Rock. She is by Jail Sirocco and out of a daughter of Sunfrost. Um, Jill Lane bred and raised her and owned her up until the fall of last year. And then Coy and I bought her. And she had an injury to her feet, or her both front feet. I think we haven't really determined, but regardless, she's lame and we bred her this year and she's in full to irish pay so that's really exciting <laughs> yes so but i love that horse i just i love her so much and um yeah that was a fun run awesome well thank you so much for being runner gunner on the money barrel thank you and making us actually do this since of course you've been a part of it um, i'm super <laughs> excited about it and i'm excited to have you on it and good luck in heber this weekend Thank Make you. sure to send me videos. I will. Of All course. right. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad that we got this going. All right. Bye. For listening to The Money Barrel. Make sure to rate and review our podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode. If you have anyone you want us to talk to, send us a name. See you next time.